Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello everyone and welcome to another Scotland edition of the Anyone's Game podcast. My name is Gordon McCall and back to review our preview from earlier in the week. It's Robbie Hanratty and Jack Gillis. How are you doing guys? I'm good. Good to be here Gordon. Nice to give you a little bit of time off and, and focus on your own rather than having to juggle hosting at the same time. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. No bother, because, uh, yeah, today we'll be looking back at Scotland's 7-1 win over the Faroes on Tuesday as Pedro Martinez Losa's side made it six points from six to open their qualifying campaign. Robbie, you're at Hamden for this one. What did you make of it? Well, the first 18 minutes, it wasn't great viewing, I'd say. Faroes done just as, I guess, we'd expect them to do. The one up top and a lot of bodies behind the ball. But that's Scotland's job against teams like that to break them down. And... It took a, a audacious strike from Edmund Cup about 19 minutes in to break the deadlock. And I guess once they got that one goal, which is always kind of, in these games, once you get that first goal, it eases the pressure. Because I really feel, wrote this in the match report for anyone's game, that the players did seem to let the occasion get to them initially. Like, touches, like Krista Grimshaw was a player that obviously she got a first goal for Scotland. Did impress as the game got on, but initially looked a bit nervous on the ball, wasn't wanting to take players on. But I think overall, you're winning 7-1, two wins from two. You've got to say you're happy with it. Obviously, it was a bit of a scare as such straight after halftime, really. Made a lot of changes at the break. Then Marsha Biscopo is scoring so soon after halftime. Fatal's only two goals in the previous two campaigns completely for qualifying. So a Scotland perspective, you don't really want to be conceding against Fatal's, but... Then again, with a little time, Martinez Loza has had to work with those players. I think we did see glimpses of what we could expect in some exciting football and some exciting goals as well. So overall, you've got to say, I was a happy man leaving Hamden on Tuesday night. Jack, for you, you and I both watched this one at home through BBC Alba rather than, than in the stadium. Who stood out for you across the 90 minutes? Across the 90 minutes for me... Um... First player I'd like to say is Claire Emsley. I thought Claire did a lot of good running um, and, you know, was getting the balls in there. I thought Claire was really, really impressive. I know it's not really the full 90, but Erin Cuthbert, up until obviously that nasty knock that she got, I thought Erin Cuthbert was just her usual self, um, really aware, really, you know, just what you expect of Erin, basically, um, in a game. So for me, Claire and um, Erin really stood out to me. And I think. Just about every player in the midfield did well. I think Lana and Cleland, and she came on, she was quite good um, as well. I think she had a um, really good game when she came on. So I, I think those three for me, Claire, um, Lana and Erin really stood out to me in the game. Really enjoyed watching all three of them. But Claire specifically, because like I said, the amount of running she did was fantastic. Andy Robertson was probably watching on a little bit enviously because obviously for the for the men's side, everyone knows about Andy Robertson. Everyone knows to shut down that left side. Claire, by contrast, I mean, she had so much space on that left side just to get up and down the pitch. And it's something she was doing that whole 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to echo that being a hand there. No, especially, I mentioned Grimshaw. I feel as the game went on down that side, her and Richie McLaughlin were interchanging a lot more, getting the ball into the box, overlapping, cutting inside. And as you say, Emsley and Nicola Doherty, I know she got replaced at half time, but in the first half, once they did find the rhythm, they exploited that area's pretty wide pitch at hand. And so it's something that against teams like the Pharaohs, exploit them with pace in behind. And you've seen the joy by getting across into the box and getting quite a few goals that way. So yeah, definitely have to echo Erin Cuthbert. I put her as my anyone's game player of the match. And I just think it's just 
she's such an intelligent player. Like she'll drop deep, she'll play behind Jane Ross, behind the striker, and just some of the things she does goes unnoticed in a way. But it just like some some of the footwork and things she has sublime. So I'd have to say, even just watching the crowd, like forget Chelsea in the Champions League final last year, and the cl- crowd were just so joyous every time Cuthbert got on the ball. They're just going wild. So it's good to see role models like that as well, not just on the pitch in terms of performance, but seeing the fans kind of connect with a player so much, you'd be screaming basically for her. Yeah, worth mentioning as well, Martha Thomas, another game that she comes off the bench, gets on the score sheet. Jenna Clark, who I think was everyone's story of the evening, making your debut and, you know, the coolest finish. No panic at all when she was put through. Any worries about offside there? I think, and it's. I think it's probably really positioning the cameras, but just a little bit. I'd like, I, I'm being like a grumpy get here, but I think if there had been VAR, I definitely think that could have been one of those silly ones where like half the player's foot was offside, so they disallow it. I think it could have been one of those ones with VAR, but I think it was a really cool finish, and I, I think the ball was timed perfectly at first look. But when I saw the replay, I thought she might have been just offside there, but no, very cool finish. What a way to sort of top off your Scotland debut. So well done to Jenna there because it's not the easiest thing to do You know, when you're um, put on for your country no matter what the game is and it's your first game for your country it can be quite nervy. And I'm sure a lot of players at every level of the game from every country would agree with that. So well done to Jenna for scoring and that's great and I completely agree with you. A really, really cool finish as well. It was quite good to watch actually. Yeah, and uh, a little bit on now on to Pedro and Robbie, we spoke in the group chat a little bit ahead of time about whether or not he'd sing the national anthem and a little bit in the podcast as well about that. And uh, I'm sure the BBC Alba cameramen were well aware of that because as soon as national anthem started, camera straight on him. You had a wee chat with him at full time. Yeah, I spoke to Pedro at full time and he was delighted that they got the two wins out of two in the first camp, especially with having such minimal game time. And he really pointed out the fact that he wants everyone in Scotland to be proud of the team that they're going to put out and have players, most importantly players, that are proud to be wearing that badge for Scotland. It does seem like it's a close-knit group of players. You can see the passion, like Claire Emsden, like when she scored, she knee-slided along the pitch. Like, things like that. They love playing for the nation. And Pedro, even he was like, he wants to build that relationship with the media. He said, he's one of these people that said all the right things and he said he knows it's not perfect. It'll take time maybe to get the ticket attack of football that... Well, Scotland and Tiga Taka football, I don't know, but that's that's what he wants to do. And I feel like he said there's a lot of players, it's a 23-player squad, so it's hard. But when I asked the question, what other players would he might be looking at, like Fadli Yadi in squads previously, there's other players been overlooked, like Joe Love, Hilly Lauder, who experienced in the past. So he said there's a lot of players that they'll be keeping an eye on between now and the next fixtures, really, when I to the World Cup as well. So very positive like when you speak to a manager who's very upbeat and obviously he won 7-1, but he was upbeat and I feel that the future can be bright under Pedro. I'll maybe jump in here and ask this Jack, we spoke about this the other day, about Pedro so far, that was only one game in. Like, have you noticed the slight differences in like the way we're playing compared to Shelley Kerr? I know it was against Pharaohs rather than maybe a tougher test, but have you noticed like slight differences? Yeah, I, did. I think what I noticed was obviously that element of like what I like to call the Spanish game is coming into what we do. Obviously, it's the Spanish way of playing football and Spanish coaches always try and sort of implement that into what we do and what they do. And I think I definitely noticed that. And obviously, he's new and it is taking a bit of time, but I did notice that you've seen the Pedro way 
sort of begin to creep in against the Pharaohs. And I actually like it. I like that sort of football because we have the technical ability to do it. When it's a team that doesn't have the ability to do it, it doesn't come off very well and it doesn't look very good. But for us, because we've got the technical ability, especially with players like Cuthbert and Nemsley, then yeah, 100%, it looked really good. It was, at times, really attractive football to watch. So yeah, I think I'm really happy with that. You can um, begin to see the differences, which is really good because it's always good to see the new coach implement their way of playing onto the squad and especially when it's worked so well and you can tell I completely agree you can tell he's building up a great relationship with the media you can tell he's building up a great relationship with the fans obviously he's doing his best with O'Flower of Scotland which I love to see it's it's great I think he was even more passionate than Steve Clark um, which was not really hard, good. It? <laughs> it's not hard but still I mean he's more passionate than the Scotsman so I think that was really really good as well so no, really, really happy with that. And yeah, I just, I, I like him as a person as well. You can tell he's passionate about his job and that he's sort of really taking this challenge and really grabbed the bull by the horns, if you like, and really taking on the challenge. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how it's going for him so far. And I really liked how he sort of implemented a bit of his style of football um, into the game. We've got to deal a little bit with the, the elephant in the room. Uh, that's the one part of the 7-1. And I know, Jack, you've already said about how successful sort of adapting to Pedro's style has become. It wasn't always in this 90 minutes looking like that was going to be the case. Lots of changes made at halftime. Concede pretty soon after that as well. Signs of a little wobble there, do you think? I think, you know, I just think it was very, very unfortunate the Faroese goal where our defending let us down. Especially, I think that corner comes in. That should be one that we should be dealing with, like, 100%. You know, that's one we should be dealing with every day. Uh, we don't, and um, Biscopster scores for them. It is disappointing. I do think we had little slips, but then again, that happens in a game. You know, When you're cruising like that, it can happen. I've watched quite a few games. You know, Germany's had it before. Germany did it against Serbia. Uh, I know Serbia went 1-0 up in that game, but Germany did it against Serbia, just for example. They had a few slips in that game. Big, you know, when you're playing a small team, what's nominally a smaller team, you can still have chances to slip up. You know, Holland slipped up. They've got a new coach. They slipped up against Iceland a few times just back there. And you know how good that Dutch squad is. So they're favourites to win the Euros. So I think you look at that and you go, yeah, it's to be expected with a new coach. But I do think it was really disappointing. And like I said, we should be dealing with that. But fair play to the Pharaohs. You know, that, that's a big moment for them. Even though they were, you know, I think it was, what, 3-4-0 down at the time. They were still celebrating that. So I've got to say, fair play to them. Yeah, I was going to say that four 0 at half time and then made three changes at the break, but went to three at the back and that was to be honest, three at the back, understand that your four goals up is a chance to implement a new try something different in the game. I didn't realise you could get more subs than usual. You've still got at five subs I think at the moment. So you can do that three subs at half time. It did take I think the first five minutes of that second half, Fadels got into Scotland half more than he did the entire first half. So that was a concern, but it was the only shot Fadels really had on target. They had maybe that back pass to Doherty, from Doherty to Alexander in the first half. It was a bit on edge. But other than that, other than the goal, they didn't threaten that much. So it's just quite, it's frustrating, even though you could think we won 7-1. I personally was quite frustrated at that because it was three defenders, really, of only man. She creeps in at the near post. So things like that. But Martinez Losa did say post-match as well that he'd rather have these mistakes and these blips now in games like that in ironing them out before they play the likes of Hungry again in Spain and maybe greater opposition who you can't afford to be giving away goals like that because the games have got to be a lot tighter as well. 
I guess it's fair to say as well, when we speak about the changes made, that's perhaps more of a, an issue with substituting three players rather than the change of shape. Individual errors happen regardless of the shape you play. You maybe just are more likely to get punished for uh, different errors in different places. But we'll move on, sweep the uh, negative under the rug, ignore it, pretend the elephant's still not in the room, and instead onto something a little bit more optimistic, which was the women's team getting a little bit of a homecoming, a lot made of it in the build-up to it, but back at Hamden, getting to play Robbie. How was the atmosphere? Yeah, I thought... For four and a half thousand fans being in a 50,000 seat stadium, you could think, oh, could it feel a bit eerie or um, what would the atmosphere be like? There's been a lot of talk, as we spoke about earlier in the week, should the games be at Hamden or should they be around the country? But I thought the fans that were in attendance at Hamden had done the best. There was a lot of fans singing about even like Jenna Clark. There was chants coming from there was a lot of younger Girls who obviously look up to these players, I mean, watch the SWPL every weekend. And before the game, there was a light show and played all like the Scottish teams and all that. And I just feel like the SFA tried to treat it like a men's game with professionalism. Of even it was great to see like Sky Sports, STV, BBC. There's a lot of big guns all day reporting. So it just shows that people are stepping up and taking interest. Whereas before, there wouldn't have been like formal press conferences and everything for the women's game. So I just thought the fans that was there made a great, they was treated to seven goals to one. So value for money seeing, oh, well, eight goals in the game if you're going to include the elephant in the room. But we also, yeah, they made a lot of noise and I feel that the more people see, that was a Tuesday night game, the more people see, I think the next game will be a Friday or Saturday, the more people see the women's team doing well, the more coverage it gets, podcasts like yourselves and think people getting awareness of the women's side, then... There's no reason why you can't double that number or more because I didn't know what to expect in terms of how many people would turn up. They had 18,000 at the other previous time we played at Hamden against Jamaica. But the scope there for marketing it to get a lot of fans in can be an enjoyable experience. But I'd say it was. For me, it was anyway. Jack, obviously, is a little bit harder to tell through the, the TV cameras, but happy with uh, getting to play the girls getting to play back at Hamden and, and the reaction, the reception they got as well. I think you could tell from the TV that it was a good atmosphere, especially with so many young girls in there as well, you know, getting inspired, inspiring the next generation. I think that was great. And you could really pick it up that the SFA were treating that um, like a game. I thought it was just as, if not a little bit more buzzing than the Euros games that were played at Hamden. Um, and I, I, I'm not just Scotland games, I'm talking about the Ukraine-Sweden game as well. I've, I've got a, you got a really good buzz. That's because these fans that go know this team is capable of big things and you know this team's a good team and you just got that and I think it was excellent. You could hear people singing, you could um, hear people cheering when we scored, you could hear people cheering when their favourite player got on the ball and I think that's what it's all about and it was a nice atmosphere. I think you talk about looking at club football at Hamden, coming for, you know, sometimes it can be a bit intimidating, the atmosphere, but it was a good atmosphere. It was a nice sort of family night out at the football atmosphere. But This is what they need to market a lot more because there's a lot more families and folk were like tutors and like flags and all that and it was just like you don't hear any like if a parent was going to listen to this and thinking about taking a kid along to a game for the first time these internationals are having the chance to go to the national stadium see life international football but it's not got that toxic environment that something as football can have and I really felt I felt that warmth as well really from just everyone that was there so sometimes you'll see criticism about the attendance for example but it's a start this was all about as Gordon said during the week it's about building the first step is playing at Hamden then it's I guess increasing that awareness and getting more and more people through the door and things like that in life will take time but 
I've got a lot of faith that Pedro Martinez Losa can put a team out that's got to win. Football fans, we love winning. So, well, folk will get along and follow them. So, confident of that in future games next month and beyond. Completely agree with you there. We'll uh, look forward now and uh, move on from what was a very successful doubleheader for Scotland. It was also a very successful doubleheader for Spain. A 7-0 win at the same time as we were winning 7-1 against Hungary. Jack, so nervous for having to face Spain in upcoming fixtures? Very. I think this Spain side is one in the ascendancy. They're, they are a very, very good side. I think they've learned a lot from what was a quite a disappointing World Cup for them in France. They're building up as a side. They've got some really quality players in that team. So I'm really, really worried about playing Spain. And a, a side like Hungary would expect Spain to win big against them. But I think I was shocked at how big a win it was. I was expecting Spain to win 4 0. I wasn't expecting them to, you know, win 7 0. So, you know, that's that's very, very good for Spain. And I think they've got a lot of quality that we need to really watch out for. And I think that's where we need to learn from the mistakes like we, you know, had for well, that Biscopsu goal. And we need to learn from those mistakes because Spain will capitalise on that. You know, Spain's the sort of side if they smell blood, they'll go for it. So fingers crossed we can. I think we will give them a good game, but it's going to be a really, really tough test. I think it's the real acid test for Martinez Lusa in this um, Scotland side. Yeah, I'd say that as well. You want to even mention, going back to that first 18 minutes before we broke the deadlock, I feel it was quite slow at trying to... Everything was done too slow trying to uh, play the ball up from the back, you know, like, and against Spain, you can't, you can't be complacent. First and foremost, you want to get pick up maximum points against all the other teams in the group and you want to put yourself in the best possible position to be challenging Spain for that top spot. And you just never know. I do fear Spain and the free scoring haven't lost an international qualifier in many, many years. But with Scotland, Martinez Lozay will have a bit of time to analyse what went wrong, what went right and everything. Another few games till the Spain game. So with Scotland, anything's possible. Sometimes they can rise in games like that and put up the best showing yet. So we just have to keep the faith, keep the positivity on this Anyone's Game podcast. For those who haven't had a look at the table, Scotland are second in Group B, tied with leader Spain on six points. But as you've heard, Spain, 17 goals, not one gone in the net. The other way, giving them a goal difference of 17, Scotland that nine combined and one conceded from the Faroes. That makes goal difference of eight. So a little bit of ground to make up if we're worried about goal difference being a, an, an important factor. Ukraine yet to play in the group. So worried about facing Ukraine now that we've got the other two out of the way and we know what we're getting in Spain. Yeah, I think Ukraine are a side that, I was talking about Russia, obviously, the last time. Ukraine are following a very similar pattern to Russia in terms of development. And they've got some decent players, Ukraine, that play in women's top divisions across Eastern Europe, which are growing. The club game in Eastern Europe is really, really good. You've seen it with the Ukrainian side um, got into the latter stages of the Champions League qualifying, which is really, really a big shock. And you've got a lot of Ukrainian players playing for the good clubs in Belarus, like FK Minsk and um, Dynamo Minsk, which are their two big clubs in the Eastern European women's game. So Ukraine have got some very decent players and I think it's the sort of side that could cause us problems but I still think we'll beat Ukraine but they are going to be tricky because they've got a few players that I would definitely be looking out for. If I was Martinez Lewis, I'd be looking at Ukraine's side from their last games before this sort of cycle of fixtures and going, right, what do we need to look at? Where do we need to? Because Ukraine could cause us a lot of problems. Like I said, they've got a lot of good players in that um, club game in Eastern Europe, which is rising. Also got, forgot to mention a few good players um, at Zenit St. Petersburg women's team as well, which is, they're absolutely dominating the Russian game. I think most of their side is Ukrainian. So there's a few players we need to look out for from Ukraine, but I'm still confident that we'll get all three points against them. I was going to fire in here as well and say that it's important to remember, and I think people forget that, we've 
got this six points out of six without two of what I'd say are very key players in Caroline Lee and Lisa Evans. And I guess, you know, Sophie Howard either. There's a few players that would be nail-on starters in the team. Didn't play that two fixtures. So you hope for this next Hungary game, Ukraine game, Spain game, we're going to have a strongest possible team available because, as we say, Gordon mentioned earlier, Martha Thomas, that's two games in a row. I feel like she's made a great impact off the bench. And it's good to have depth in the selection dilemma and other players you can come back into the team. And thinking about it, yeah, I do. I don't know if I'd say fear Ukraine, but I know they've got some talented players. But I think we just need to focus on herself and building what could be a very special side because a good mix of players that's done it at Euros and World Cups and so many, some more younger players who I feel that can be ready to step up and do the biz at an international tournament and guide us to the World Cup in 2023 in Australia and New Zealand. Well, here's hoping anyway. Well, one last question for you both. Robbie, you've kind of already inferred it as well, but uh, what are you both doing on the 22nd of October? It's a Friday night that I'm particularly thinking of. Got any plans? Nothing in the diary? Nothing in the diary, no. Scotland be hungry. Anyone else listening, by the way, if you've got diary, if you've got nothing in the diary, I'll tell you what, you've got something to fill it. Yeah, Robbie, what's, uh, what's going on? Scotland are playing hungry at the National Stadium in the next um, qualifier on the 22nd of October. So get yourself along. As we say, we speak about the experience was... Great, it's a very family-friendly environment. The girls are great. They had a lot of time, even after the match, to sign autographs and give the tops the, the next generation of supporters and kids. So, yeah, get get along and support Martinez. Loads of side, absolutely. I think I better go now because um, I'd like to let people know like Claire Elms was our favourite player so I better try and get a selfie with her at the next game Me too and For those uh, not able to make the Friday night uh, don't panic there is a, a double header again and it's the 26th as well that Scotland are at Hamden and this time not in a qualifier so pressure's off but you might see something slightly more tactically interesting slightly more interesting in terms of who takes part as well because we're hosting Sweden Jack how are you feeling about playing Sweden in a friendly? Big game you know even though it's a friendly you're Sweden silver medalist at Tokyo. So, you know, it's uh, a, a big, a big, big game for us and it's a big, big test. I think Sweden are really, really dangerous. The players I pick out for Sweden are Kosovari Asalani for the, you know, Rolfo. They're two players that we should really, really look out for that I think um, are going to go through a hot knife through butter um, for our defence, unfortunately. I, I, I know I shouldn't be saying that as a Scot, but Rolfo especially, she is such a talented player, one of the best and she got a big move to Barcelona as well. So they've got some really talented players. As a Frauen Bundesliga fan, Jakobsen and Blum they're two players from Bayern and Wolfsburg to look out for so yeah Sweden have got such a talented squad and it'll be interesting to see how we get on against them but I definitely recommend if you want to see some really really good football even though it's a friendly get yourself along for that one because you're seeing a really talented Sweden side as well which I think would be great for people to see just how good the women's game can be at the very 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 top level because like I've seen Sweden have some top players and also I've yet to see Fredelina Rolfo live so that might be a good one to see because she's great to watch on the telly so it must be better in the person because she's a talented player to watch and I think just about every other player and pundit and whoever else would um, agree with me there so yeah Sweden I'm looking forward to it regardless of the result because it'll be good for us to play such a good side Yeah I'd have to say that with playing Sweden many times players on this podcast have said that they'd rather be playing against the biggest and best teams because that's when you challenge yourself and you learn can you compete or maybe we'll fall short because as you say Sweden are renowned very good at women's football we've got some talented players but Scotland you'd rather be you'll learn more from playing Sweden than playing the Faroe Islands because it can pay for all the cracks playing Cyprus the Faroe Islands scoring 10 or 7 goals so I really think organising a friendly against a team of that calibre 
it's a very good thing to do because in Martinez Loza's like defense, he didn't have any friendlies before these qualifiers, which in hindsight they probably should have, but I know with COVID and everything. So I think it'll be good to have that speeding game just to te- really test these players and just see just how good they can be. Well, we'll look a little bit closer as well. There is the weekend's SWPL fixtures and SWF fixtures as well happening, but we'll jump slightly ahead of that to the Wednesday game. Jack, it's one that's close to your heart, I know. Uh, it's the Hibs Hearts Derby. 5,000 tickets already sold. Free entry, so anyone in the Edinburgh area, anyone able to get to the Edinburgh area on a Wednesday night, I don't want to hear excuses. It's free. It's perhaps one of the most interesting games of the season so far. Jack, I'll let you finish the pitch. Uh, definitely. Get yourself along, folks. Even if you're not a Hibs or a Hearts fan, it's promising to be a great night because I know I might be sounding a bit biased here, but we are in you know frighteningly good form right now. As I said, we've got so many great players, and to be fair, to Hearts, they well, I never say Hearts players are any good, but to be fair, they've got a, they've got a few good players. Hearts, they have got a decent squad that I think at times are unlucky and don't get the rub of the green. But it should be a great game either way, and it will certainly be a high-scoring game as well. But yeah, get yourselves along, and you'll see two really good teams. And it's an Edinburgh derby, you know. Edinburgh derbies always have a good atmosphere, no matter what level the game it's at. So any of my fellow Hibs fans listening, any um, Hearts fans listening, why are you not going if you're not got a ticket? It's an Edinburgh derby. Get along and support your side. But no, it, it promises to be a fantastic game. And I, I think we all should get the three points. That Hibs should get the three points out of that because we've got such a talented squad this year. Dean Gibson's building something really, really special. Um, especially with um, the new signings. Alexa Coyle um, from America has been so impressive. She's been a joy to watch. So I'm really hoping we can um, get a big, Hibs can get a big three points out of that and we can maintain the bragging rights over Hearts because they're still stinging from that loss last season at the Orium. So yeah, really looking forward to the game. And if you haven't got a ticket yet, and you can get yourself along Easter Road, I'd really encourage you to do because it's set to be a record breaker as well. Well, if you want to keep up with the build-up to it, with looking back at it once it's happened as well, anyone's game is your place for it, for all the writing and for all the reaction to it from both camps. And anyone's game will also be recording a special Edinburgh Diary Phoebe podcast at the start of the week with a player from Hibs and Hearts right here on the Anyone's Game podcast. So we'll be getting that up to you before kickoff on Wednesday. So you can listen to that and learn all about just what it means for these players to be playing in an Edinburgh derby with so many fans, which, as Jack says, it's got to be a record breaker for Hibs women's side. And maybe it's got to be a sign of things to come as well with more women's teams using men's stadiums and playing in front of big crowd. So here's hoping for a successful event next week. Definitely. Well, it's been a successful campaign to begin with for Pedro Martinez Losa to wins. Two expected wins, really, but two comfortable wins in the end. Six points from six. And there's plenty coming up, as you've heard, whether it's having that tussle against Hungary at home or the stars coming to town against Sweden in the friendly for the next Scotland edition of the Anyone's Game podcast. You'll be sure to hear all about it through that. But also that Edinburgh derby, it'll mean a lot to both camps and you'll hear all about it through Anyone's Game. But that's enough from us today. You'll hear from us plenty soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.